we've been singing about your great grace and mercy this morning. Father, we just want to thank you and praise you. That's why we're here this morning, Father, to give thanks back to you for all your goodness to us in Jesus' name. Amen. It's good to hear an amen. John 14, verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me, because I live, you will li also live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, that's not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. 
These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let's get up and go from here. Long chapter. I'm not really going to unpack all that chapter, but I felt it was good for us to read it all because it, it just reminds us of so much of what we have in Jesus and so much the disciples had as they lived with him and seen him work and do all the things that he did. And yet, there was still much they needed to learn and understand. And, and we're, we're in that place this morning. That's why we come together and we read God's word because there's so much more. The title for my message this morning is Enough and More. And it doesn't really say very much about what I speak about, but you will see later on. And it comes out of the verse which I take for today, which is the question that Philip asked Jesus in this passage. And uh, uh, that is in verse 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. The word enough. The word enough. Show us the Father, and it is enough. What does that mean to you? What does it mean to me? And Jesus um, actually said to Philip, he said, Philip, have I been so long and you still do not know me? Ask yourself the question, how, how long have you known Jesus Christ? Can you put a time to it? Can you put a start date to it? Maybe you can't actually put a start date to him. How long have you known Jesus and how much have you learned of him or how much have you grown into Jesus since that time? Because that's what Jesus said to Philip. He said, Philip, you've known me so long, you've seen me so long and yet you don't know me. So there's a sense of loss in Philip's experience of Jesus but there's also that amazing statement which he said, Jesus, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Do you know, to know God as Father can be enough for us. And the problem with that is, and I think it's sort of been intimated this morning in our worship, is that we have such weird views of God sometimes and sometimes we just are not satisfied in God. We find 
that still with knowing Jesus, there's a dissatisfaction in our heart and a longing in our heart to get to somewhere where we don't seem to be able to get to. Philip said, if you show us the Father, it will be enough for us. So little title of my message this morning, Enough and More. Enough and More. You know, after Christmas, I feel as if I need some grounding to establish what 2015 is going to be all about for me. You know? But I think that's also for us as a church. We've moved here, we've been here a year, and um, we can get a little disappointed with numbers sometimes, can't we? We feel that things aren't happening and going on, and so there can be a sense of disappointment, there's also a sense of challenge, and then we wonder about this next year, 2015, what's going to happen in this year for me? What's going to happen in this year for us as a church? How are we going to move forward? How are we going to move forward? So I just feel I need some grounding. And I, when I was thinking about this morning, this, this, this verse, this, this experience came to me. And um, it starts off, just in case for those who are not fully aware of the story, it starts off, don't let your hearts be troubled. Well, the problem was that Jesus had some disciples that had been with him a long time. And they'd seen that the things that he'd done, amazing. You know, they, they'd been wowed. You know, as they'd seen Jesus at work, they'd also been wowed at the things they heard. And their lives had been changed up to an extent, you know, so much. They'd entered a comfort zone with Jesus and they felt safe and secure, protected in their difficult society. And they felt they were now people of importance again. They'd come into a comfort zone until this devastating news that Jesus said, I'm going away. I'm, you won't see me anymore, I'm going away. And you know, that, that word to them shattered their whole lives. That's why it begins by um, Jesus saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. So here's some news headlines. Panic sets in following news of team leaders' departure. And they were. Panic was setting in. What? We, you know, it was dangerous for them to be in an unprotected society or, or situation because with Jesus out the way, they were going to be alone. Their strength was going to go, their identity had, was going to go, and yet they were feeling strong. They felt that Jesus was going to bring in the kingdom and make things good for them. And now the panic was beginning to set in. Here's another one. Doubt about future prospects call for more understanding of original plan. Having been with Jesus and know him, they still weren't getting things. And sometimes we can go to church for years and be amongst God's people. We can listen to Bible stories and all that. And yet can be still that loss, like Philip experienced, that loss. We, we, we just know we need to get to somewhere else, but we just can't seem to be getting there. So maybe 2015 is going to be a year of challenge to get deeper into God. To say and actually pray in our prayers, show us the Father because it's going to be enough for us. Had they missed that then with Jesus, the fatherhood of God? Our world's missing it today. 
There's countless surveys being carried out for government's sake about fatherlessness in our society. And the whole fear is that our society is collapsing because of absent fathers. If fatherlessness was a, a disease, they would have found or looked for a cure many years ago. But this is one they can't sort. Fatherlessness is a big problem. And so they keep on doing surveys in America and here and maybe other parts of the world as well, the problems that fatherlessness is creating in our society. And that's physical absence of fathers within the family. It affects every area of our lives, education, understanding, identity, who I am, what can I do in life, am I recognised, does God accept me? Many, many questions. There is another problem and they can't work this number out of fathers who are physically present but emotionally absent. Physically present but emotionally absent. Got to have their football, got to have their club, got to have their workout, got to do this. I'm too tired to talk to you tonight. I can't read you a story before I go to bed. I can't pray with you. Physically present but emotionally absent. And our society collapsing because of fatherlessness. Absent fathers. There's been a book which has been written, I've never read it, called Absent Fathers. And it deals with this issue. Philip said, show us the father and it will be enough. It will be enough. You know, it's a challenge to us guys here today. Even me with grandchildren and men with no children, to pursue the character of a father. It'll make a whole difference to the environment we live in if we try and be fathers. And the problem is that we live in a society where the abuse of fatherhood is actually warping our understanding of what a true and real father is. That's the problem. And so it's difficult for me to say this morning, um, I'd like you to learn about the Father and teach you things about the Father. But the thing is, and the point here is, with constant understanding of Jesus and continuing to come to know him, we will know what a true Father is like. A true Father is like. And that's the change We'd love to see that change in our society, wouldn't we? But each of us men can make a difference if we look to Jesus and learn how to be a real father. It's the character, it's the things which actually highlight, you know, the wonder of being a father. Now, that's a difficult thing to learn, and I just want to go on from there, because there's three things, you know, that we can really learn from this this morning. Um, you know, for Philip, uh, you know, the extent of his faith was limited because he hadn't come to fully know who Jesus was and what he was doing. On Christmas Day, um, Steve brought us a message on the name of Jesus Christ, and um, 
it was from Isaiah 9, and he, he just briefly spoke on the fact that his name, Jesus' name, shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Not his names shall be called, but his name shall be called. We, we sung about the lion and the lamb this morning, and we see two wonderful things coming together in Jesus. Jesus is called the Lamb of God, and he's also called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And there are actually meanings behind those names. We won't go into them. But for this morning, you know, to have that wonderful name, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. All those, the wonder of those four names is in, present in this passage we read this morning. It starts off with a wonderful counsellor, because Jesus said to them, don't let your hearts be troubled. And then he goes on to explain to them how they can actually be, their faith, faith can be strengthened in knowing him as a wonderful counsellor. Towards the end of that chapter, it also says, don't be, a, don't be troubled, and then neither be afraid. Neither be afraid. He adds a bit to it. And so we have one here who deals with the troubled mind and the fear we experience sometimes. He's a wonderful counsellor. One of the things about a father, he's able to comfort his children when they're troubled, when they're not feeling good. Just take them aside and say, I love you. I love you. He's a wonderful father. And Jesus is seen just like that. He's a wonderful counsellor. We also see him as the mighty God. Jesus said to them, you believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus claims his equality with the mighty God. Believe in God, believe also in me. Prince of Peace. He leaves his talking with disciples. He says, my peace I leave with you. This is not the world I give you peace. It's a special peace. It's a peace you can't get anywhere else. And so he's seen as the Prince of Peace because he brings peace to his disciples. And then he's also seen as the Everlasting Father. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Last week, Steve reminding us, and here we make the connection. Can you remember what the three things were? His voice, his word, his purpose. And within this chapter, we see his voice, his word, and his purpose. And Philip said, here's the purpose. Show us the Father, and it'll be enough. It'll be enough for us. The first thing that I'd like to say about this, seeing God as Father makes him unbelievably accessible. You know, if we talk about God, just God, on its own, it confuses people. We live in this world of confusion where people are looking for something called God or something which relates as God or something higher than themselves, but they can't define it. Our world is looking for emancipation from what the lives we live in this world and looking for something outside of themselves to grasp and hold on to. 
cold formalism, we could call it. And Jesus knew that he was surrounded by people who through the Jewish religion had not come to know God as Father, but instead it had been replaced by a cold, formal understanding of God. This is worked out in, I have to recite three times a day, I have to say this today, and I have to say that tomorrow, and um, I must remember to say, how many Hail Marys is it? I have to remember to do that. And these things are not necessarily wrong in themselves, but the point here is Philip said, you show us the Father and it will be enough for us. Show us the Father and it will be enough for us. Is there anything we can understand and learn this year in 2015 is to know the heart of the Father in Jesus? We've already spoken about his love. And so it's been replaced by cold formalism. Western scholars regard Hinduism as a fusion or synthesis of various Indian cultures and traditions with diverse roots and no single founder. Hindu practices include daily rituals, recitations, annual festivals, occasional pilgrimages. Select group of ascetics leave the common world and engage in lifelong ascetic practices to achieve emancipation, liberation or release. The Muslim wakes every morning to the chant, there is no God but Allah. Some believe in a cosmic force or energy for good. Not a him, but impersonal it. Or maybe a wise old looking man with a long flowing beard is the concept that people have of God. When John the Baptist came, Part of his mission in the world, his pre-mission to Jesus, and we read about it, was to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Wouldn't it be wonderful, you know, to see this happening in our society? Not everywhere. This is, I'm just taking up a cause this morning, you know, to take on what Philip said, you show us the Father and it'll be enough. And it will be enough. Seek the Father through Jesus. Seek the Father to Jesus. Seeing God as Father makes him unbelievably accessible. Bilkri Sheikh, a high-born Pakistani Muslim, demonstrates in her fascinating autobiography, I dared to call him father. She became disillusioned by the murder of Muslims who had converted to Christianity. Murders sanctified by the Quran and carried out by members of the victims' own families. She tells of her secret acquisition of a Bible, which she wanted to compare with the Quran. Matters came to a head when a Christian doctor encouraged her to pray directly to God for answers to her confusion. The doctor advised, he said, talk to him as if he were your father. She counselled. Talk to God as if he were my father. She writes, the thought shook my soul in a peculiar way truth has of being at once startling and comforting. The next night, 
with the Quran in one hand and the Bible in the other, she prayed, I'm confused. Father, I have to get one thing straight right away. Which is your book? In which one do you meet me as father? Was the word that came back to her. Several days later, knowing that her new faith in God as father and in his son as Lord might cost her life, she became a Christian. In which book do I find God as father? And it changed her whole life. And we can be disillusioned, but you know, seeing God as father makes him unbelievably accessible. To me, as a child, the thought of God is so far away, you know, that you can't hardly understand that concept. But seeing God as Father through Jesus makes him unbelievably accessible. I think most of you know, most of us here know the story of the prodigal son. There he was. He spent all his money. And the story goes, he spent it on prostitutes, he spent it on wild living. And the first thing when he feels so in need, he said, I will arise and go to my God. No, he said, I will arise and go to my father. The concept was of a home with a father to which he could go. It made going back the prospect of going back, unbelievably accessible to him, that he could learn what fatherhood was all about. Because his father, you know this morning, this morning, you know, we, the gospel is so simple in one way. If we talk about trying to make our way to God or reaching out for God and trying to do these things that actually please God, we'll get confused. But if we can see God as Father, it makes him unbelievably accessible. Because what happens? The Son arises, the Father arises. The Son makes his way, the Father goes out to meet him. The Son continues his journey, and the story goes, the Father saw him when he was a long way off, and he went running to meet him. In this world where the whole concept of God is warped and misunderstood, seeing God as Father makes him unbelievably accessible. He wants his children back. He wants to show his love to them. He wants to demonstrate his care and his understanding. Do you find that people don't understand you sometimes? Others don't understand you? I tell you what, God understands what's going on right here. He understands you. And a real, true father is so close to his children that he knows what's hurting them. And I know the hurts here this morning. Show us the father enough. Enough. Do you know what? If we come to know God as father... We just be filled up. We shall know who we are. We shall get in our spirit a sense of true identity. We're the people God created in his own image. Yeah? 
people created in his own image. You know, the whole concept of Jesus coming was that so we might regain who we are in him. To know that we are created in him. To know we have a future. What we read in that passage about, you know, Jesus going to prepare a place for us and coming back to receive us to himself. You know? And when Steve said last week, maybe some of you have fear of the future, I heard a lot of people go, hmm, yes. So we know it's here. But here Jesus is the future. Jesus is the future. Seeing God as Father makes him unbelievably accessible. The story of the prodigal son. The next thing we, we, we learn from this, and uh, we read those amazing words towards the end of the chapter, you know where Jesus said, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Is, is that how we see prayer? Is that how we see a relationship to God unfolding? You know, a father doesn't give his child everything. I remember years ago trying to speak to the kids in Sunday school about God doesn't give us everything we ask for. So if little Casey, when she can ask this question, grows up and says, Dad, can I have a box of matches? They say, here you are, have them. Nah, you won't. But at a certain age, it might be, you know, okay when responsibility comes and to know what matches do. There's that point, you know, where God gives to us because he knows it might hurt us. So not every prayer that we pray gets answered, but he demonstrates a fatherly over-authority in our lives. He knows how to give good gifts to his children. The Bible tells us that. He knows how to do it. So don't get disillusioned or disappointed when sometimes... What we ask God for, we don't get, or it doesn't come our way. There are other times we ask God for something, and then we take it into our own hands to do it. And that's where we may become unstuck. It's very difficult, isn't it, the waiting? Knowing the Father gives inclination to intimate worship and powerful prayer. Knowing the Father gives inclination to intimate worship and powerful prayer. Steve last week was talking about prayer and how we should pray and the things we ask for. He was speaking, you know, about knowing the voice, whose voice we're listening to, the voice, the word, and the purpose. And those three things are in this chapter this morning, aren't they? How inclined to worship and prayer are you? I know this, um, that knowing God as Father does make a real difference. It does really make a real difference because it's born out of relationship. It's born out of relationship. I can say to God, I can say to Jesus, I love you. You can't do that to an idol. Well, you can, but it doesn't mean anything. You can't say that to a cosmic force, I love you, 
and hear the voice saying, yes, I love you too. The relationship of love, knowing the Father gives inclination to intimate worship and powerful prayer. Andrew White, vicar of Baghdad, whom we know, and currently not allowed to go to his parish because of the dangerous situation there, was on Premier Radio some time back. And um, during the course of the interview, the interview asked him how he prayed. And his answer was, I pray as always, I always have, even as I was taught as a child, dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus. To him, that was his approach in prayer. But it's wonderful to know that within his home, he'd been taught how to pray. He'd been taught how to pray. We used to pray with our children every morning before they went to school. Well, not every morning, that's a bit of an overstatement. There were those times when it was a bit difficult. But we knew the importance of praying with our children. Not, Lord Jesus, meek and mild, look upon a little child, but praying to God for their protection, praying to God for help, to help them with their school, praying for God, this spirit to go with them as they went into school, and praying with them that they might know him and come to know Jesus Christ as Saviour. So that's Andrew White, dear Lord Jesus. When Jesus was asked by his disciples to teach them how to pray, as he did, he said, when you pray, say. When you pray, say. Father, in heaven, hallowed be your name, so Jesus was changing the concept and understanding of what it meant for the Father to be known in the context of prayer. In the context of prayer. If you've got a Bible, will you turn to Isaiah 62, verse... Sorry, it's Isaiah 63. We're just going to go through this a little bit. Just hold your finger in Isaiah 63, verse 7, but then just sneak back to 62, verse 6. 62, verse 6. And I think this is important because as a church, we were reminded that this year for us that we will be joining with Relational Mission to do half nights of prayer, and it's going to be called Enough title of my message this morning is enough and more enough and more show us the father and it will be enough for us said philip just have a sneak look at 62 verse 6 i have posted watchmen on your walls O jerusalem they will never be silent day or night you who call on the lord give yourselves no rest and give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. I'm going to read that again. I have posted watchmen for Herm Bay. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest till he establishes his church in Herm Bay. 
and makes her the praise of the earth. Who makes her the praise of the earth. Is that going to be 2015 for us? Enough and more? Knowing God as Father gives inclination to intimate worship and powerful prayer. Now can you go back to 63 and verse 7. Isaiah 63 verse 7. If ever you wanted a template for your prayer time, you can use this. What do Christians pray and how do they pray and how should we pray? Do you know one of the simplest and most profound things that Christians do is that they pray to God about God. And you know, that's the most amazing thing. They remind God of his kindness. They remind God of his mercy. They remind God of his grace. They remind God of what he's done in the past. And here in this passage, it reminds God of the Israelites how God brought them through the Red Sea. How he saved his people. You know, the parting of the waters. And some said, oh, that wasn't a miracle. That was just shallow water. And then someone retorted, and you've heard all this before, I know, but some haven't. How could the whole Egyptian army be drowned in shallow water? Don't deny the word of God what it says. You know, the Bible tells us about those people of God. He took them through on dry ground. He parted the waters, and the Bible tells this so dramatically. He says there was a wall of water on the right and a wall of water on the left, and they went through. Nearly two million people, their cattle, their servants, and all their goods. And it took them the whole night to go through. Now, God is an amazing God. When we pray, pray to God about God. Because that leads us on. So let's read a bit, shall we? Praise, this is entitled Praise and Prayer. I will tell of the kindnesses of the Lord, the deeds for which he is to be praised, according to all the Lord has done for us. Yes! the many good things he has done for the house of Israel. Or you could put the church. For all the many good things he's done for me, according to his compassion. That's the extended love of God that he is compassionate. That is a definition worth dwelling on. He said, surely they are my people, sons, Sons have a father, don't they? Here's the father speaking. Sons who will not be false to me. And so he became their saviour. In all their distress, he too was distressed. Oh. Does a father get distressed when his children get distressed? Usually. A real father gets distressed when his children are distressed. Oh yes, he does. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them. All the days of old. Yet they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. So he turned and became their enemy. And he, he himself fought against them. It means that God had to fight against them because they were fighting against him. It's rebellion. It's called rebellion. And that's what's happening in our world today. A lot. Verse 11. Then his people recalled the days of old. The days of Moses and his people. Where is he who brought them through the sea with the shepherd of his flock? 
Where is he who set his Holy Spirit amongst them, who sent his glorious arm of power to be at Moses' right hand, who divided the waters before them to gain for himself everlasting renown, who led them through the depths like a horse in open country? They didn't stumble. You go back to verse 9, it says, In his love. It's the only word that's different of love in Isaiah. And it talks about the companionship that God enjoys with a person. It's not used anywhere else. Isaiah picks this out like a bouquet of flowers. And he said, seeing God a father gives inclination to intimate worship and powerful prayer. When we understand that God wants companionship with you and me because he loves us so much, it changes the whole way I talk to him. If we continually see ourselves as guilty and we won't forgive ourselves, it's difficult to approach God and to pray him with companionship, with the spirit of companionship. It's so difficult. You know, but God has made provision for every situation. Remember what Steve said last week, how far has he removed our transgressions? As far as the east is from the west. If God's buried them in the sea... So ought we. So ought we. Because he wants to relieve us from that. He wants to take it all away so that we might live in the good of it. Knowing God as Father gives us inclination to powerful prayer. And I would say as we go into 2015 and we will be called to prayer as a church, there will people who get sudden aches and pains, sudden legitimate things why they can't come. Maybe things crop up unexpected. You know, but sometimes we have to fight against these things. When the church is called to prayer, it's the most important thing that we can do. Corporate prayer. You say, well, I pray at home. No. The Bible talks about the church together praying, meeting together to pray. It's probably the most important thing we could do in 2015. It's called enough because... It is enough if we pray together. So knowing the Father, knowing the Father gives us inclination to pray. It does me anyway. It makes a whole difference about the situation. The last thing I want to say is this. Knowing God as Father settles the issue of who I am who I am in Christ. One of the greatest things that we get through knowing Jesus Christ as Saviour is knowing who we are in Christ. We have an identity crisis in the world. I can't explain that this morning, but it's there. What am I doing here? How long am I here for? What happens after my life ends? What do I do in my life? Who knows? But these are just some of the questions that some people ask. Knowing God as Father settles the issue of who I am. 
Towards the end of our Bible reading this morning, Jesus introduced the, the disciples to the fact of receiving the Holy Spirit. Who and what is the Holy Spirit of God? The earlier verse we read, you believe in God, believe also in me, actually is the key to the reception of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit leads us into truth. And if we can't deal with the truth of Jesus being equal with God, the God-man, and we just see, want to see, I want to get to God on my own, doesn't matter about Jesus, I want to do it my way, I must forget about Jesus. And what did he do? He was only a man, he was only a carpenter of Nazareth. No, Jesus is the one that shows us the Father, because the Father is in him. And so the key to knowing and receiving and understanding the Holy Spirit is knowing that Jesus is the only way to the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And some people say, well, I believe in God, and I believe in Jesus, but it just doesn't seem to do anything for me. That may be true, but when we realise what Jesus has done for us, and where he's brought us, and now who we are, the identity... The whole thing changes. Because the Bible tells us, Paul writing to the Roman church, I think he said, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. You can't have any better identity than that. So without the truth of knowing that Jesus is not only God, but the way to God, and to knowing the Father... We've lost the point of having the identity of who we are. In the music, musical The Sound of Music, if you know it, the ex-nun Maria has an effect on the whole family as advocate, comforter, and friend. She satisfies the father of her children in regard to the household and their upbringing, she has a beauty about her that attracts both the father and the children to her presence in the house. But also an individual and personal mutual love between the children and their father who had one time been held aloof because of his disciplined care for them, which they saw as cold and formal. She changed the atmosphere within the household, strengthened the family and brought out their talents. I thought it was just a lovely little picture of the Holy Spirit, what he does. When he comes into the house, when his presence makes a whole difference within the household, you know it's important that we receive the Spirit of God. And that may be slightly theological wrong, but just to explain, when Jesus met Nicodemus, he was, he was a Jew, and Jesus said to him, you must be born again. And so what he said, as a Jew, he was, also part, he was already part of the family. And Jesus said, now that family has been completed. It's come to an end. And because of Jesus, you need to be born again. There's another phrase that's used, and it's being born from above. And the situation is, our country is a little bit like the Jewish nation, in as much that it has a heritage about God, and so many people sort of generally believe in God. They generally believe in Jesus, 
but nothing happens in their life because they're not born of the Spirit of God from above. It has to become that personal. And in a sense, we, many people out there could be, and they would put their hand up to say, I'm a Christian. But it doesn't do anything. Church seems unimportant. It seems boring. Doing things properly according to what God wants, it, it's not their purpose in life. There seems to be no energy about loving God for who he is and worshipping him. What's the problem? They need to be born again. There needs to be more. Coming to receive and to know the Holy Spirit in our lives is going to make all the difference. Jesus said to them, I will give you another advocate, another comforter, and a friend. And that's what the Holy Spirit is. Someone who stands in between. Someone who brings all, all the wonder of the Father of God to us so that it will make a difference in our lives. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirits that we're the children of God. And if we don't feel like the children of God, ask God for his Holy Spirit this morning. The people in the New Testament said, we didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know? And I find that that's a need in our society with people who know God, in a way. They maybe believe in Jesus up to a point, but nothing seems to happen. And today, receiving the Holy Spirit can make all the difference. He can make that difference in our lives. May God bless us in 2015 as we make additional effort to come together to pray together because it'll be enough and there'll be more. Thank you, Father. So we've done. If anybody wants to talk further or doesn't understand anything, we're just here. But other than that, we will have a cup of coffee.